You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. Uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Bunch of this did it again! Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, babe, what's going on? Not much, Shane. We had a busy day of news here on Monday. We got some really good games to preview, so let's just get into it. But, uh, you know, before we go around the league, Shane, i just like to start with something funny if I can. I thought this was pretty funny. Coach O, during his Monday presser, we'll get more into LSU in here in just a minute, but this was the funniest kind of clip of the day, I thought, where I'm not sure specifically which LSU reporter he's speaking to here, but... Uh, from what I understand, one of them had a walking boot on, and Coach O noticed it, and he had, he had to ask him about it. Coach, both of the teams playing this weekend are great on third down. Conversion. Hey, what's your probability for the game? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to see how it goes. Huh? Doubtful. I'm going yeah. to ask you every day. Doubtful. <laughs> that's, that's these guys. I, don't, I, don't. Uh, I got what you got, man. All right, Shane, so <laughs> these coaches, the number one thing they get asked every week is injury updates, so he's just throwing it back at this guy. I just thought this was pretty funny. <laughs> that's awesome. He's just going to keep asking him every day, Mike. So, uh, you know, if you're not there, who would be <laughs> who'd be the backup, you know? <laughs> I love it. Hey, I, I got one for you, Mike. Okay. You know, usually you open the show, but this one I just thought was, was so damn interesting. I wanted to bring it out. We don't, you know, we try to keep everything SEC, and it's kind of SEC related. But Texas Takeover, uh, you can follow them on Twitter. Just don't follow them. You know, Texas Takeover over five. It's a waste of waste of time. <laughs> but this one comes out. It says Jalen Hurts is a smug, arrogant clown. When asked about the Texas Oklahoma game. He said, I played in the Iron Bowl. I think I'll be just fine. What a joke. Texas, Oklahoma, and Michigan, Ohio State have been more has have been the most ranked versus ranked matchups in college football history. Iron Bowl doesn't even come close. Jalen in for a rude awakening. <laughs> what do you think of that, man? man? So the Iron Bowl does not compete against a Michigan-Ohio State game or a Texas-Oklahoma game, Red River shootout. What are your thoughts on that? Well, Shane, not to turn it back on you, I'm really not trying to make fun of Tennessee when this suggestion, but the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, when people kind of mock Tennessee for 
you know, the level of the job, whether it's a top 10 job nationally and all this. And I don't think there's any way you can say with a straight face, Shane, that Tennessee currently 2019 is a top 10 job. But then fans, you know, they're very quick to point out, you know, top 10 all time wins and uh, all these great things that Tennessee does have. But it ain't 1998 anymore, man. And that's that's what I think of when I hear this joker, because anybody that knows anything about college football uh, yes, Texas and Oklahoma, I'm sure that, that is, that's a great rivalry. You know, they meet on the neutral field, but it's not in-state. And, you know, Oklahoma's been to, to several playoffs, but what they've never even made the championship game in the playoff era. Texas has been a damn joke for about 15, 20 years. I mean, what is the importance of that game when you spin it to the Iron Bowl, where if you live in that state, if you're not consumed with that game on one side or the other, you're just not a college football fan. And I've been to Alabama many times, Shane. Just about everybody down there is. When you see those TV ratings every week, you know, who's the number one market? It's almost always uh, Birmingham is in there, Tuscaloosa, all, all these Alabama cities, that's a that's a college football obsessed state, and to suggest that these uh, shitty big t- rivalries that uh, not even all the same level as the SEC in-state Iron Bowl, I mean that that guy's just a damn joke. <laughs> Dude, I'm gonna need another beer for this show, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, dude. I totally agree with you. This is not even in the same ballpark. There's there's several rivalries in the SEC I would put above above this right now. I mean, honestly, we're talking Florida, LSU, Death Valley. I mean, that that game is going to be ten times more electric than this Oklahoma-Texas game. Yeah, without a doubt, Shane. But uh, before we get to the Week 7 games, that's obviously the week we're in. What we like to do here on this Tuesday show is always to give you a look ahead to the, the following week kickoff times because those are announced by the SEC on Monday. So we'll just give you a brief preview here, Shane, of the Week 8 kickoff times before we go around the league. And let's just go in order of the, the kickoffs here. And we'll start. we got a really good slate for Week 8. Auburn at Arkansas at noon Eastern time on SEC Network. That should be a pretty good one. And then here's the interesting part, Shane. They're going to flex these next three games so they could kind of come in any order. What they're really waiting for, I believe, they want to see who wins this LSU-Florida game on Saturday, and they also want to see who wins this South Carolina-Georgia game before they make these final announcements. Uh, But these next three do not have firm times. LSU at Mississippi State. Florida at South Carolina, and Kentucky at Georgia. Any one of those can be the CBS game or the ESPN uh, 6, o- 6 o'clock Eastern time. So they're going to – they're not – those three games are not settled. But then the three night games, these are finalized for sure. Missouri at Vanderbilt, 4 o'clock Eastern on SEC Network. Texas A&M at Ole Miss, 7.30 Eastern on SEC Network. And finally, Shay, the what I know you but you will want to know the most about, Tennessee <laughs> at Alabama, nine o'clock Eastern on ESPN. That's a late kickoff here, but uh, thoughts on the on the games that we do have settled there. Oh man, I love it. Here we're coming off like last two weeks. It's just been five games here, six games there. You know, this is a full slate. Next two weeks are just going to be freaking awesome. Uh, Tennessee, Alabama. I did see some jokes on that on on Twitter, <laughs> talking about they should. That's probably a good idea because it's going to be uh, 
what TVMA or something <laughs> like that. So the kids don't have to watch it. But I, I just I, I love this next slate of games. You know, we're in the thick of the SEC. This is when the conference after these next two weeks, we're kind of going to have a ballpark idea on who's the best and who's the worst. You know. Yeah, and remember, Shane, Alabama, they, they're not allowed to sell beer, but they got those damn red lights they're so proud of. This is going to be the first <laughs> game they bring out the red lights. So if nothing else, it's going to be worth watching just for those – see those pretty lights, you know what? They're so mad that Georgia got to use theirs first, you know. <laughs> Tennessee's just happy it ain't at noon, so whatever. <laughs> All right, Shane, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, Shane, we're going to hold the Missouri Ole Miss talk for the next one because we're still waiting for Barry Odom to have his uh, weekly, his first press conference of the week. But we got to start with this news because it's so big. Uh, Kelly Bryant, good news on him, Shane. It sounds uh, Missouri has announced he just had a knee sprain. He should be a full go for this Ole Miss game. So that's a huge relief. But then you flip it over to the other side, it's disaster, Shane, because uh, senior linebacker Kale Garrett, the guy we really talked up on the last episode, out for the season, Shane. He tore a, a pectoral muscle, and that is going to sideline him for the season. And it's just devastating, you know, for such a good player and a, and a good person. But, uh, I mean, he was having a first-team all-SEC season. If, if they were to hold the ballots right now, he would be a first-teamer, and that's just a devastating blow for a Missouri team. Dude, I didn't even see it coming, Mike. You know, this news came out of nowhere. Here we are all worried about Kelly, and and then here here our man, you know, we're just, like you said, just pumping him up, and then he's out for the season. I mean, that's a huge blow for Missouri. Um, you know, obviously, you know, something you and I were discussing offline was, you know, how important Kelly is to this team, but he's not, I don't want to say equally, but just as important as Kale Garrett. Yeah. And you know, the, he is the quarterback of that defense and the big plays that he's been able to do what he's had, what three interceptions for touchdowns or three interceptions and a fumble. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. been all over the place, just a beast. And, uh, that's going to be hard to, uh, adjust to going forward. Yeah, And he's a big reason why everyone was so high on Missouri entering the season. And unfortunately, while Barry Odom does have this thing rolling, I think I saw a stat, Missouri, in the last 25 games, Shane, they're in the top 10 in the nation in, I think they're 18 and 7. So, I mean, that's incredible, uh, real credit to what Barry Odom has done there. But they are not a program at this point where you can have a senior, all-SEC linebacker lost and then just have someone step up. Now, they do have another tremendous linebacker in Nick Bolton, but 
I think those guys really fed off each other. Now, obviously, you're, you're, da- yeah. you're down one of them. So it's, I'm not saying Missouri is going to fall off a cliff here, but uh, it'll be interesting to see, particularly with this Ole Miss team coming in here, which it seems like they can run on, on anybody, how Missouri handles this loss. Yeah, well, I mean, and you got – I mean, Kale's the guy that puts you in the right place. Uh, a lot of times defensive linemen line up in the wrong spot or your linebackers are off a little bit. You know, he's he's just all over the field. He's able to tell these guys where to be, and he's the coach on the field. So um, there's going to be plays. It's going to be a factor. All right, Shane, we got a lot of action, so we got to move on. Let's jump over to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. Coach O met with the media here. All Monday, Shane, for the huge matchup, Florida at LSU this weekend. Uh, before we get to, you know, thoughts on this game, I, I really, uh, I found, a, came across some stats on Monday. I know you're not a huge stats guy, so I'll go over this quickly, <laughs> Shane. But, I mean, this matchup, LSU's offense versus Florida's defense is pretty outstanding. How about this one via Brandon Zimmerman of the SEC Network? LSU is averaging f- over 54 points per game. Florida's only given up 57 points this season. I mean, that's incredible. And then how about this one from uh, Corey Worsham of LSU Sports. Here's all the national ranks for LSU on offense. Number one scoring offense. Number one red zone offense. Number one third down conversion rate. Number two offense. Number two passing offense. And then flip it over to Florida defense. They're first in the nation in interceptions. First in the nation in takeaways. Tied for second in the nation in sacks. I mean, this is a damn epic showdown of of offense versus defense, and uh, I just can't wait for it thinking about uh, these stats. Just think about this, man. We're talking about LSU, one year removed from the offense we saw last year to the (laughs) offense we're seeing this year. Do you think Brady's a candidate for a coaching spot somewhere? I mean, honestly, he's going to be a hot commodity at the end of the season. Well, that's interesting you say that, Shane, because – I didn't want to say this. This is just a rumor, so nothing uh, concrete here. But I did hear someone at work tell me that if Tennessee made a move, the number one guy <laughs> would be old Joe Brady. But I, that's pure speculation. So I'm, I'm not saying he's a candidate there. I think Jeremy Pruitt's safe. But I think that's already being thrown out there. I don't know. He's a real young guy, Shane. I think he's like – I don't even know if he's 30 years old yet. So I don't know – you know, his recruiting, I don't know much about his history. I just know he worked there for New Orleans Saints for for a few years, and now he's just come on the scene. He's really changed it there. I don't know if he would be immediately, but I'm, I would say within a couple of years, he probably will be a head coach somewhere. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just impressive. But, I mean, you got to remember, LSU's loaded with talent. You know, these receivers, some of these receivers were there last year. They just didn't utilize it. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I just, it's not day. It's just unbelievable. You know, we, this is the rankings we were talking about defense, you know, it felt like last year. And now we're talking about offense and, uh, it's just, it's just, it is impressive, but so is Florida, man, 57 points. In, you know, how many games they played now? Six games. I mean, that's, I mean, dude, that's less than <laughs> 10 points a game. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, uh, yeah, they're killing it too. So this is going to be, uh, I think a battle of Goliaths here. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Coach O'Shane. Like I said, he met with the media here. He had quite a bit to say. He was in he was in a good mood here, Shane. Uh, but he's not in a good mood after watching this Florida game tape. 
Uh, he talked about uh, the Gators' defense and the, particularly this defensive line. He had an interesting strategy on how to prepare for it. And he sp- also spoke on the fact that Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham in recent seasons has had a lot of success against LSU uh, on how the importance of getting pressure on Kyle Trask. I think Auburn was really the first team to do that. And we saw Trask was a little shaky. And then finally, I thought this was an important note, Shade. Coach O staying on his guys to stay off that social tweeter machine. <laughs> so far, it looks like Todd Grantham's been blitzing a lot less than in years past. I guess, does that make it almost kind of more difficult to prepare for being more unpredictable? Yeah, well, we have to go back in his history. We have to look at the things that he's done. We have to be prepared for line stunts. We have to be prepared for four-man rush, be prepared for blitzes. Uh, we have a lot of work to do this week. Uh, there will be a lot of walkthroughs. There will be a lot of film study. Uh, we have to be prepared for everything that he comes after. But the biggest thing that we have to do in practice is simulate the speed of their defensive line. So we're going to put our fastest guys on a rush team and rush our guys all week, obviously. Uh, this is by far the best pass rush we've seen. I think I've said it every every day in our press conference that I can, that we're going to be tested. This, this is what I was talking about. I watched a game against Miami. Uh, it was a tremendous pass rush. Uh, last year, we did not rock their pass rush very well. It's going to be a challenge for us. Hey, Coach, here in the middle, it, it seems that Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham have had some success against LSU in recent years, no matter yep. where they've been. Uh, as you're game planning, do, are there some things you're taking to mind that you normally don't, maybe? or? Yeah, we're looking at the Mississippi State. Yeah, that's the action. We're looking at the Mississippi State film two years ago. We'll watch it. We're looking at their history. We're looking at, you know, Dan's a big formation guy. And he's going to see how he lines up in a certain formation, and he's going to try to hit you where your weakness is at. So that's going to be a key for us this week. But, you know, after looking at the film this morning, it's going to come down to blocking and tackling. You know, they ran the speed option on us. We were out of position. They ran the quarterback throwback. We were out of position. We just got to be in position. We got to make plays when we need to make plays. Florida's offensive line has been a little suspect this year, and with Kyle Trask getting injured last week yeah. with a knee injury, is a pass rush really going to be important this week and, and really pushing the line of scrimmage? No question. Uh, controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides is going to be a key to this football game. Again, I watched that film this morning, and it was a physical football game. We were, were doing very well, but they did some good things too. So it's going to be a battle. We're going to have to win our blocks up front. We have to win our gaps, and we're going to have to tackle uh, Florida has run the ball on us the last two years uh, very, very well. We have to stop the run. Uh, I think that's my biggest concern right now, stopping the run. Ed, the, the last two years, you, some of your players have kind of gotten in social media Twitter wars with Florida yeah. players. Have you talked to your players about this, or do you feel like it's something that your upperclassmen will take care of also? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to talk to them about it today. We'll see what happens. But I know this, that uh, I think it was uh, several years back we had a tussle before the game. I don't want that. That distracts from the football team, that distracts from the task at hand. So we're going to make sure that our guys understand that. Uh, for some reason, this is a heated battle. The emotions are flying high. We just want to use those emotions in the right way. I don't think there's anything I can say today or this week or anything our players can say today or this week that make us win the game besides work hard, keep our mouth shut, and be ready to play Saturday night. All right, Shane, so he's, uh, Coach O had quite a bit to say there, but uh, what about this stood out to you uh, from what, Co- what Coach O had to say? 
I just, you know, he kept wanting to go back to last year's game, not not so much the Auburn game. So, you know, there was a lot of things I think stood out to him last year. And, and LSU, if you remember, was supposed to win this game, and they just couldn't get it done. And a lot of that had to do with Florida's defense. And, you know, Dan has – say what you want. has kind of had LSU's number here for a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it wasn't just with uh, the Florida Gators. It was with Mississippi State there at the end as well. So – I, he just – I don't know, man. I The more I'm seeing from Dan, the the better coach I think he is. And uh, I think that's what Coach Ho was pointing out, that, you know, he has the ability to find your weakness. Now let me ask you this, Shane, because this will be something – didn't really – he did hit on this at some point, but I kind of liked uh, this defensive talk a little bit better. But it's certainly Auburn, different offense altogether, but they could not run the ball on Florida. If LSU – cannot run on the Gators, and I don't know if they can based on what we saw Florida do to Auburn's offense. How effective do you think this LSU Joe Burrow can be if they're one-dimensional against the Gators where, you know, they're getting blitzed off the edge and and Florida's got some outstanding defensive backs? How successful can LSU be on offense, do you think, in that scenario? You know, I, I, I think that it's just two different animals when you compare Auburn and LSU. I think for Auburn's offense to run, for Gus Malzahn's offense to run, they have got to have that rushing. You know, they have, they work off that rush. They work off the rush. Now, LSU on the flip side of the coin doesn't necessarily have to have that. And when they're five wide, it's going to create problems in the secondary. They're going to loosen up and it's easier to run. Um, That's just, that's just how their offense is working right now. Uh, it's kind of how the Saints offense are, is still working, you know, if you if you think about it. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it is as important for LSU to get the running game going um, because – Well, how about this? Because I was just thinking of this while you were talking. If you look at the teams, I'm certainly not trying to downgrade Florida. I mean, they proved their value last week on defense. But you think some of the offenses they played, they played Miami, which – didn't have an offensive line starting a freshman quarterback. They played Tennessee that was Garantano day, and, I mean, he just had a horrific day. And then yeah. they played Kentucky, which was a backup quarterback. I mean, they've not seen anything quite like Joe Burrow either, so maybe maybe you have a point there. Maybe they don't know, or they've not been tested quite like LSU is certainly going to test them through the air. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I, I just, you know – I just don't have a good feel on this game. I've never, I mean, usually I, I kind of expected something with the Auburn Florida game, but this one is just like, what, what are they going to do? Because, and there's some things that I'm concerned about LSU as well. I, I know they killed U, Utah state there, but if you watch that game, there was a couple opportunities where they screwed up, you know, Joe Burrow fumbling the ball, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Moss tipping the ball, causing an interception, another fumble there at the end zone that they were lucky to, to, to pounce on. You know, there was little mistakes like that that they made against Utah State. They can't afford to do that against this Florida defense because that defensive line is extremely fast and extremely aggressive, and they will make you pay when you make mistakes like that. Final update here on LSU, Shane. Their outstanding receiver, Terrence Marshall, back at practice already. You know, he had surgery on his foot, I want to say, after the Vanderbilt game, which was mm-hmm. three weeks ago. He's already back. So I don't think – I would be surprised if he played in this game, but he's back on the practice field, so that's a good sign. Uh, their left tackle, Sadiq Charles, 
Coach O says he's good to go this week. And then Michael Divinity, their starting linebacker, also going to practice this week. They're going to test his availability. Uh, this is certainly a game they'll need him back for. All right, Shane, so let's kick it over to the other side, jump on down to Gainesville. Well, Dan Mulla met with the media here on Monday, and, man, Dan was feeling good, too. He's feeling very confident right now, a little cocky. <laughs> and I, that's, I think that's what the Florida fans feed off of. You know, this guy is, he talks the talk, but then he walks the walk. Kind of yeah. like Spurrier. He's, we keep getting those comparisons. Let's kick it over to Dan Mullen. Uh, asked on if his offense can win a shootout type game against this LSU offense. Because we've not really seen the Gators necessarily do that this season. And then I thought this was a pretty insightful comment here on Dan Mullen from how... You know, he doesn't force anything on his teams. He always adapts to what he has. And you always, you know, these coaches say they do it, but it seems like nine times out of ten they really don't. And he's, I mean, he'll go fast if they need to go fast. He'll slow it down if they need to slow it down. And uh, whatever his style is, it seems to obviously work really well for his his teams here. Yeah, LSU's got the number one scoring offense in the country. They're averaging like 55 points a game. If this gets into a shootout, is this offense like able to handle that? Hard as offense. We'll find out. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see. We got some. We have some good players too. So um, you know, we have some good skilled players offensively, and uh, we'll see. You know, I think one thing though we always do as a staff is we always we try to. We try to focus that in the game plan. I'm not going to share what our secrets are, but you know, I mean, there'll be times that we're, hey, we're gonna, we need to score offensively, and we ex- we might give up some more points on defense. There's other times we might play ball control, try to slow the tempo of the game down. I mean, uh, one of the things I, we don't always, you know, in in our program, we don't work independently. Usually, the game plans of the offense, defense, and kicking game all kind of mold together into what we want need to do to be victorious. That. You were talking about how the game plan you'll you know meshes with the offense and the defense specialties. You're one of the few coaches who hasn't really succumbed to the this is my tempo and we will play at this offensive tempo. Why is that? Is it you've always seemed to have considered your defense when? Yeah, well, you know, part of it is we want to we want to play great defense in, in what we do. Um, but also we look at the program as a whole. I mean, the, the, the biggest, most important factor to me is making sure we win the game. You know, if we win the game three to two or we win the game 40, 40, you know, 49, 48, wins, we're winning. And, you know, whatever we need to do to make that happen as a team and as a program and we get everybody bought into doing that, you have success. And, you know, so I don't get overly caught up in, okay, what are our offensive statistics look like? What are our defensive statistics look like? Um, you know, for, for show, uh, I'm more into winning and losing. You know, obviously defense, you know, if we're statistically poor in one category, okay, well, why is that? And is that affecting our opportunity to win the game? And how do we fix it? Uh, but I'm not in it just to run numbers and try to say, hey, look at all the this record we set or that record we set or we're going to go super up-tempo. So... I, you know, we can claim that we have, um, you know, we put up all these points or, you know, uh, you're, you're this unbelievable magical offense or uh, just go pure ball security so that we can keep a low scoring game and just not put up, you know, and make sure we, we don't give up points on defense. We, we look at our roster, look at our players, look at, you know, 
uh, for kind of a season usually as you get into it and say, hey, we're going to be this type of team generally. But then each game also dictates, you know, what you're going to do. All right, Shane. So Dan Mullen seems like he's got confidence in his offense to speed it up if they have to. Uh, are you necessarily buying that uh, the Gators can get away playing that way in Death Valley Saturday night? I'm still concerned about the running game. You know, this is several weeks in a row that they, I mean, all season, that we've not seen a game yet where they just took control with the offensive line and these running backs. And, you know, kudos to Trask and, and these weapons on the outside. They've been able to make plays when needed, but you know, you're not going to be able to do that, I don't think, against LSU. And the last thing you want to do in this game is get in any type of shootout. Because if you do that, and I think Dan knows this, LSU's just got more weapons on that on that side of the ball. So if you get in any type of shootout, you got to get a little bit more conservative, a little more balanced. And I think that's his biggest concern um, going into this game. And something Coach O talked about. You know, it comes down to the trenches. It comes down to uh, making – them one-dimensional and that's the last thing Dan needs yeah that's interesting because I would think the game plan for the Gators now based on what we've seen they've got like like Mullen said they got some weapons too they should they should be able to score on LSU but I would think the recipe for success for the Gators going on the road in Death Valley on a Saturday night is to play a conservative style Maybe not. Maybe that's not the right word, but you know, eating the chains up, long sustaining yeah. drives, and if you can't run the ball and your quarterback is not that big of a threat with his legs, at least I'm talking Kyle Trask here. Obviously, I just don't know how that plan would work unless they play a heavy dose of Emory Jones, who he looked good against Auburn in spot duty. But you really gonna throw him out there on the road and to into a big situation? I mean. I don't know. So it's going to be fascinating to see the game plan here from uh, the Gators. I think you're right. And and that's something they've shown the capability of doing is just marching down the field. But, you know, if you can force LSU to go three and out once or twice, and then that defense gets a little winded, they've shown that they are vulnerable after uh, so long, you know, on the field. So I think that's the recipe for Florida here. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. And last thing on the Gators here, Shane, before we move on to another game. But, you know, Dan Mullen was asked about his comments about, I mean, he said live on TV, essentially a, he didn't call out Marlon Davidson by his name, but he called the hit that uh, injured Kyle Trask dirty and, and the SEC needs to look at that. And he didn't necessarily back off these comments. And I don't, I don't know. I'll get your thoughts on the back end, but um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you can have this to where you have a head coach calling out another player for something that he was not even sure that he did. And uh, obviously the hit on Kyle uh, since then, you've been able to look at it on film. Some of the Auburn fans are upset that you said it was – Dirty. Yeah, maybe, maybe I, I want to put it this way. Maybe, maybe the use of that word, maybe that wasn't the right word at the time. I don't think, I don't think that was being coached, and I don't think that there was intent to go injure him on the play. I think that's something, though, when you look at player safety, we got to really pay attention. I mean, I know as a league, uh, everybody wants to preach player safety, player safety, player safety. You know, talk about it, but what are we doing about it? You know, on those type of hits. I, I, I'm, I'm a bet if that hit happened, I bet those hits happen on a Sunday. That they, they they would have been called, um, you know, because they're talking about player safety. Um, so 
you know, that I, maybe the choice of words at the time was wrong, but it's more, you know, I mean, to me of we have to, you know, the, I think those are plays we want to try to get out of the game, you know, plays where guys have, you know, significant opportunities to be injured. And we, those are type of plays that we want to, you know, the helmet to helmet hits with those it plays that their, their injuries are a great chance of players being injured. We want to try to get out of the game. All right, Shane. So, I mean, Dan Mullen given ample opportunity there in that uh, segment there to just kind of, you know, I don't know if he really needed to apologize, but maybe just say, Hey, it was the heat of the moment. I said something I shouldn't have said, you know, he could have, he could have went any of those avenues and he didn't really back off his claims and everything you've seen after Marlon Davidson, after this game for anyone that didn't see it. I mean, he went out to Kyle Trask and, and got him one-on-one and, and said some things to him, you know, and, and essentially after the game said that, you know, he had no intention of, of hurting him and he, and he, I mean, felt like shit yeah. for the fact that Kyle Trask got hurt. And for anyone that didn't see the play, uh, Davidson was kind of, you know, rushing the passer and, and he kind of got blocked down, drugged down into his knee. So it did not look dirty. It's kind of much different than the Kelly Bryant hit. Yeah. But uh, what were your thoughts here on Dan Mullen? I mean, he's given his opportunity here to kind of, I mean, this could, this could haunt Marlon Davidson for the rest of his life for, for people that did, that don't do the research and just say, well, Dan Mullen said it was dirty. It's dirty. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that because this is like you said, it's different than the Troy situation. That was blatant. That was an obvious call, and I'm not joking. That kid should be kicked off the uh, field. I mean, that's worse than what Cash did, if you ask me. You know what I'm saying? He had one intention, mm-hmm. and that was to hurt Kelly Bryant. This was just in the heat of the moment. And if you, yes, if you frame it, if you slow it down to half a second, you know, I mean, it could any you can make anything look worse. But this was just a bang bang play. He fell into Trask, and you know, and I thought Trask was out. Don't get me wrong. When he was hitting the ground, I was like, "Dude, he is, he is done." And uh, that's a that's a tough kid. And and I I like that the player. I mean, here you got the players being the grown-ups. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You got him coming out talking to Trask, apologizing, coming out for the game. You know he knows what happened and what almost happened, uh, and, and it just looked bad. And then here you got the grown-up, Dan, over here, just, just kind of, just, I don't know, just kind of fueling the fire, and it, it's a fire that's not really there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just don't, you know, he says the SEC needs to look at that. I think the SEC also needs to look at uh, head coaches calling players dirty when they're not. When they're not. I mean, that, <laughs> that's, that's also an issue in my mind. Although... All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Knoxville. Tennessee's got a crucial game here coming off, you know, off the air, Shane. <laughs> I don't know how much you <laughs> want to expose of this, but you were not down on your your Vols. You felt not that they won the game, not a moral victory, but from what they <laughs> from, from what from what they saw, I mean, that was basically their best performance of the season yeah. against the best team that they faced, maybe Florida, arguably, but they looked a hell of a lot better against Georgia than they did Florida. This is a make-or-break game. They kind of have some momentum here if you want to read between the lines here. They're going up against a Mississippi State team coming off a huge blowout themselves. Jeremy Pruitt asked about this matchup, Shane. Maybe we'll jump to his thoughts in a minute, but what just what are your thoughts on this game and just how big it is for the rest of the season? Now Tennessee's at 1-4, but if they were – to manage to beat Mississippi State, upset them in Neyland Stadium. I mean, how big of a win could this be for the Vols? 
this is big, man. This is this is a, a make or break game for Tennessee, I, I think, because if they're going to make a bowl, they're they're going to have to win this one. They're going to have to beat Kentucky. They're going to have to beat Vanderbilt, UAB, and potentially either Missouri or South Carolina. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not saying. I think Missouri and South Carolina are a little bit more tricky just because South Carolina's had our number in Missouri. Hell, I mean, they're if Kelly back, I mean, you you saw what they did to us last year, you know. Right. Uh, Kentucky's a little bit down. Uh, Vanderbilt's obviously down. But this Mississippi State game, this is, this is one of those coin toss games. We're lucky to have them at home. And it's if you lose to them, then it just seems like now you've got to beat both South Carolina and Missouri and, and Kentucky. You know, you could lo- loop them in there. Uh, or so Alabama. Yeah, yeah, or that one. Yeah, that one's in there too. So, damn, I didn't even include them, did I? (laughs) That's just where this rivalry's at, Mike. (laughs) Oh, we call it the third. What do they call it? The third bye in October. (laughs) So anyway, I just uh, this is big because when you talk to and I talk to a lot of Tennessee fans. uh, Hell, I'm in tons of group text and and they're all excited about the future of the Tennessee balls. They, they really liked what they seen with Brian. I liked what I saw with Brian. Uh, we just saw, we saw productivity on offense and, and that's what you got to have because uh, this defense is not the best. They're young, they're thin. And, you know, if we can get some production on offense, then we can compete with some of these, these mid-level teams, you know? Well, speaking of uh, bright things that could be on the horizon there for the Vol, Shane, Jeremy Pruitt talked about what he saw from Brian Maurer after reviewing the film. It's pretty complimentary of him. Uh, certainly suggested that uh, he's going to start, obviously. I mean, I think that's that's an obvious one if you watch the, the Georgia game. Uh, but even more importantly, Shane, these two clips from Jeremy Pruitt, these are some of the best clips I've heard from him in basically since he's been at Tennessee. Uh, there was a, a, a reported sideline skirmish who he says he was he didn't see it, but uh, it was written about in The Athletic by David Ubin. And uh, he reported that offensive line coach Will Friend was somewhat involved in this. Pruitt downplays that. Uh, but this is a just fascinating quote. And then we kind of hit on it, I, I believe, on the previous podcast, Shane Wanya Morris kind of getting physical uh, out of bounds. And we've seen, I think it was Karon Calbert in the Florida game. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been a lot of nastiness with this offensive line. And yes, you know, these penalties are costing Tennessee. But uh, as Pruitt explains, I mean, this is a, basically a good problem to have in his program. Uh, Jeremy, a couple things. First, Brian Maurer, after watching the tape, how would you assess his play? You know, I thought he had really good energy. Uh, done some nice things, uh, especially early on. Uh, made some really, really nice throws, got the ball out of his hand. Uh, but he also made some mistakes too, right? Uh, you know, probably should have handed the ball off a couple of times, made inc- incorrect reads there. Um, you know, in the second half, he, a couple of times he worked the wrong side of the field. You know, he made a probably a poor decision when he threw the interception uh, down there. And, um, and then they ran the cat blitz there. We got to have control of the corner on the, in that protection. So there's there's way more positives than they were negatives, you know. But um, he's got to learn from them uh, and and not make the same mistakes again. Uh, so 
Uh, but he but he did step in there and make some nice throws. Uh, and I thought our, our kids rallied around him pretty good there. And do you anticipate him starting against State? Well, we're, we're going to see how this week goes. I mean, uh, I think you'd really have to, bad week, have to have a bad week of practice not to, you know, but we'll see how the week goes. Jeremy, I didn't see this, but I got calls about it. And some, there seemed to be some skirmish on the sideline with Will Friend and somebody else. Can you kind of address that or clear up maybe what happened? No, I, I don't think it was a Will Friend. I think it was some of our players. You know, I didn't see it either, Jimmy, so I got told about it. And when I got told about it, I was fired up. I'm glad we got some passion around here that people want to do things the right way. So we need a few more of them, if you ask me. You know, two, two games in a row, we've got penalties um, for O-linemen being too aggressive, okay? Um, number one, we can't break the rules, but uh, and, and we'll learn to stop when they blow the whistle, but first they got to blow a whistle so we can stop. Uh, but I am excited to see that we got guys up front that are trying to finish people and put people into the ground, okay? Uh, that's a long ways from where we first started 22 months ago, okay? We couldn't find five offensive linemen to go out there to practice. All right, so now we're starting to have to slow them down. That's a good thing, okay? Uh, we got to get some discipline to understand uh, not to make some mistakes. Um, All right, Shane. So, I mean, based on – I think these comments, you know, people that don't follow Tennessee football that closely, you know, they can mock Jeremy Pruitt all they want – for his comments on, you know, being a hundred times better and all this. But I think this is specifically what he's talking about because this is a team that I think is finally taking on their head coach's personality. Cause you got to remember, there's a lot of young guys. I mean, some of these guys he's talking about are all freshmen and uh, they're new to college football, but, and while they may not have the depth they need to compete, if they got that winning edge, they have talent. I mean, edge and talent are two of the, that's what Alabama and Georgia has in addition mm-hmm. to that depth. And it seems like it's starting to finally be developed there at Tennessee to where they're they're getting that toughness that Pruitt is kind of demanding from them. And uh, hell, Shane, it seems like he appreciates it more than anything. I love how he shot this down, man. I mean, if you follow Tennessee any at all, uh, it, it, these little stories, they, 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 they sneak in, and next thing you know, they just keep blowing up and blowing up, and then they become a big deal, and, you know, people are getting kicked off the team and everything <laughs> like that. You know what I'm saying? And for him to just – I mean, that's what – nothing is uh, Uben. I, I love I love his articles when they come out. and But this is this is where Knox Media is right now. They're looking for something, man. They're, you know, if we're not winning, damn, we better find something that's wrong. And this felt like uh, just like a little – I don't know. Did did it feel like to you like it was just okay? Do we got a story here? You know, can we run with this? Is there turmoil on the team and the coaching staff? And mm-hmm. then coach is like, yeah, I like that. You know, I like the fight on the sideline. This is the coach that kicked the dry erase board last year. You know, he wants a little bit of a little pep in the step on the sideline. If they fight, who cares? They're they're emotional people. They, this team is playing at this moment with a chip on their shoulder. And if you remember especially this offensive line, they were coming in. They're tired of being the scapegoat. They're tired of being the one that was blamed why this team sucks. And uh, it just feels like, like you said, they're they're playing, they're nasty, they're they're getting better. And are they making mistakes? Yes, 
because, you know, Wanya's a true freshman. But, damn, he blocked a guy clear, I mean, all the way to the sideline. And I <laughs> love it. I love it. If we're going to lose, at least I want to lose fighting, you know? Yeah, that's the thing that I think is so important if you're a Tennessee fan. Like I said, they're obviously 1-4 and four on the season. But it is so easy for these young players to say, well, fuck it. We're one and four. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go uh-huh. to 2020. It seems like it's the opposite where they're still fighting. They're fighting amongst themselves because they, because they're not happy with the end results on the field. And this is the only way to fix it. This is the only way I know how to fix it. When things aren't going right, you can either pack it in or you can get angry and you can fix it. And it looks like they're at least pointed in the right direction after all the uh, early season turmoil. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. We're, we were mad that we lost against Georgia State, but we were even more mad about the lack of enthusiasm on the field. And now it's like you got players coming out here just giving everything they have, and then they're even issuing apologies to the fan base after the game. Like, man, I've, I've, I feel bad for this team. I, I love this team. I've put it out there. It's just they're, they're growing on me, man. I, I see potential in them. Uh, they just, you know, they're young. They need they need time, and and we're gonna we're gonna keep watering them. You know, we're gonna keep putting them out in the sunlight, and then one of these days, Tennessee's gonna be back, baby. All right, Shane. Well, let's jump over to the other side of this matchup, Mississippi State. Jump on down to Starkville. Uh, where Joe Moorhead met with the media here on Monday. And remember, you know, it's been a little while because they were on a bye last week, so they've had two weeks to prepare. Well, sometimes having two weeks to prepare is not good when you just lost by 30 points. Uh, They may have wanted to get that bad taste out of their mouth. I mean, they got walled by Auburn. And, you know, at the time, you know, we came on this podcast, I said, I mean, Auburn looked like a damn national championship contender. And then the next week they get their, their doors basically blown off at Florida. So now, mm-hmm. now we're back to square zero. We've seen what Kentucky's been the last couple of weeks. Mississippi State mm-hmm. beat the hell out of Kentucky. And we, that opened our eyes. So it's, it's a hard read on Mississippi State right now. Uh, they have some issues at quarterback themselves. And not to say Tommy Stevens and, and the bearded trader aren't good players, but bring different dynamics. Tommy Stevens, obviously the better downfield thrower. Garrett Schrader, the better runner, more physical player under center. Uh, So Mississippi State's got some questions to answer there. And if Joe Moorhead handles this poorly, I mean, it could turn on him for this season particularly. Uh, So Joe Moorhead was asked about his quarterbacks, and it certainly sounds like he knows who's going to play but he was not giving up that mystery quarterback. <laughs> and then he was also asked all the fact that, uh, you know, how does this team respond to a brutal loss? This is something that uh, all these coaches get asked. Remember, Mark Stoops was asked about it after, you know, the Florida game. Yeah, we had a great week. We're ready. And then they got destroyed by Mississippi State. Then they get destroyed. You know, it's like you can say the right things, but until we see it on the field, we don't really know how this team is going to respond. And that's a mm-hmm. challenge here by Joe Moorhead, and that's kind of stuff he hit on here on Monday. With Tommy being healthy, is there a decision to be made there, is, or is he the starting quarterback going forward? You know, b- both Tommy and Garrett are a little bit nicked up right now, you know what I mean? And they're, they're not included on the, on the injury list because they're not out. But, uh, you know, both of them are working through some lower body things. So, uh, you know, they both practiced fully yesterday. Uh, you know, today's an off day. They'll be able to come in and get some, uh, you know, rehab and treatment on their own. And we, we kind of have a plan for what, what we uh, expect to do with both of them healthy, and we'll continue to grind through the week and, uh, you know, work the plan and see where we're at on Friday. 
going back to the quarterbacks about that plan, is it sort of a wait and see on Saturday type of thing, or do you have a starter in mind right now? We have a starter in mind right now. And that doesn't uh, preclude both from playing either in separate series or both playing at the same time either. So we have a plan uh, for one to start, one to play, and then possibly two play at the same time. So cover all the bases. With Schrader having a few games under his belt now, I remember the first, I think the first game he came in, you said you guys had to kind of shrink the playbook a little bit yeah. just to go with what he's comfortable with. Uh, from a tempo standpoint, is he to the point where you feel more comfortable with more up-tempo with him, or is that just a, a progress that steadily changes from week to week? The pace at which we play is really dictated kind of by what we see, you know, this, how fast or how slow we need to play. But I think what, what you're seeing is a higher comfort level uh, with the overall scope of the playbook with him. I would say it's opening up more, but his, his comfort level with some of the things that we're calling and his, his ability to see it and execute it, I think, is improving on a weekly basis. Just with the way a game like Auburn goes, and you talk about flushing a game, just how much does it help having a week off and kind of away and for guys to get away to just sort of refocus and get back to things and sort of just put it behind them? I think attitude reflects leadership. So it could go one of two ways. You can either uh, dwell on it and, and allow the same game to try to beat you twice, or you can you know, correct it, put it to bed, and move on. And you know, we chose a ladder. So I think the kids, will uh, their actions will, will be dictated by what we focus on, and our focus was to correct it, understand that it wasn't acceptable, and we needed to do better in that game, and then uh, move on to Tennessee. So it, it depends. If, if you allow it to fester, it's going to fester. If, if you, you know, kind of put it to bed, it'll be put to bed, and we chose that. All right, Shane. So a lot going on here. Joe Moorhead not giving up this quarterback status. Who is, who is it, Mark? <laughs> who do you think? You're a gambling man. Who are you leaning toward? Man, I had a great read on these uh, teams here, or particularly this quarterback race, and now I'm about as lost as anyone, Shane. But <laughs> I really think I'm going to keep saying it, I, even though I may be proven wrong here, because I love what Garrett Schrader, he seems to get better every week. Mm-hmm. But what do we see? I mean, hell, he played well at Auburn, but I think when you go on the road in the SEC, I think Joe Moorhead's smart enough by now to say, can we really roll with the true freshman and win on the road? I mean, this is a guy that's he's only won one game at Mississippi State on the road in SEC play, and it was against a terrible Ole Miss team. Mm-hmm. And the average margin of defeat in those five other games is 24 points. So I just think they're going to go with the senior. If Tommy Stevens is healthy, that's just my guess. I don't have any knowledge of it, but uh, what do you think? I think it's the bearded trader, man. I think he's shown enough in the Auburn game, even though they lost. There was there was glimmers of hope. I think they've had two weeks to get this kid right because Tommy's limping into this thing. So during this this two week span, you know how how much was Tommy getting reps? You know it, it could have been Schrader this whole time. So. You know, you don't want to just, okay, let's give Schrader all the reps then, but okay, Tommy's good, so let's throw him in there. Mm-hmm. I, I think that this is going to be Schrader's deal. Um, and, you know, honestly, I don't think this game really should come down to a quarterback. This should be a big hill game. Um, you know, honestly, I mean, you you look at Georgia, they hung 800 yards rushing on us, you know. Mm-hmm. Keep feeding, heal the ball. And, and that's going to be – I think that's going to free up whoever's at quarterback up because we're going to be loading that box up and, and, and 
trying to force them to throw, but you got a lot of one-on-one coverage out there. You've sh- our secondary, as much as I love them boys, they fight hard, but they've been known to to let a few big plays get past them. Well, Shane, now that I think about it, I think I I just solved it the old puzzle in my own head while you were talking there. Okay. I know who the mystery quarterback is for Mississippi State. KT. Yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) They're just going to throw everybody off. I mean, there's no Uh, game tape on this kid this year. So, no, I'm just kidding. But that would be fascinating. this is one of the games that they hold people out on? Because I think this is a big game for Mississippi State, too. I I, I know they got a lot of tough – Tough teams on the schedule. What do you do as a coach? Okay, I think you. I think they're rolling them all out for this one too, Shane. Now, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a road game, but I think if they can steal this one, they get some momentum because the next two weeks, Shane, LSU at home, that's going to be incredibly tough, and then they go to Texas A and M. I do not think that this Mississippi State team can survive a four-game losing streak. I mean, imagine the morale of that team if that happens. So you think I th- coach can handle it. You think he? Let's just say, or just. I think he can for sure, but because uh, I think a lot of, he's given a little bit of a pass for the fact that these damn suspensions even happened. Yeah. You know, out of his control. Just imagine any team's going to get affected by that. But I think they push all their chips in on this Tennessee game. They're probably chalking up this LSU to a likely loss. I don't know about A and M. We'll see how how they fare against Alabama, but. I think they're going to go all in on this Tennessee because you got to think on the face of it, Shay. I mean, Tennessee looks like a winnable game, man. You get, you got to get this one if you're Mississippi State. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Shane. Uh, last game we're going to touch on here. We've got uh, obviously some others to talk about, but we'll get to those on the next episode. Uh, let's jump on down to College Station. Giga Maggies. Jimbo Fisher met with the media here on Monday. And the Aggies have had two weeks to prepare for this one, but so has Alabama. So some of that prep time is negated, I guess you could say. But uh, Fisher met with the media while fast-talking Jimbo. <laughs> and he was asked about stopping Tua. I don't know if anybody has the answer to that, but uh, Fisher gave it his best shot. On Alabama's defense, not being as good as in years past, he, he did not appreciate uh, that question. And then finally, Shane, there's some, you know, Kurt Herbstreet threw this out there. I'll get your thoughts on it at the end of the clip here. But basically questioning how much of a home field advantage Kyle Field really is. Jimbo was asked about that as well. Coach, just a little more on Tua. How difficult is he to, to blitz and how good is he when you try to do it because of the weapons he's got outside? Well, I, how important is it, it to get home with a four-man I think it, that's a double-edged sword. One, he knows what he's doing and can see it, and they know what they're doing, and they're very dynamic in the man-to-man situation. So how you leverage him, how you coverage him in those respects, and then you, know, you expose yourself. But at the same time, you have to – you have to run. You can't just be in the same thing all the time. You got you got to challenge and mix it up, and, and hopefully do. And you know, maybe you can bat some balls, get some balls, or get to, you know get great coverage and you know, turn guys loose and get some hits on the quarterback. Because I don't care who you are, when you get hit and you get affected, I mean, uh, in everything you do. So, but you know, he's as good as there is in college football, and uh, you know, an outstanding player. Alabama's defense strike you as being more vulnerable, uh, especially to the run, than maybe previously. I don't know what film they're watching. <laughs> Looks pretty good to me. I mean, guys have gotten some yards late. I mean, guys have gotten some yards late on them, but in the games, I mean, they've been really controlled in the first parts of those games. I mean, you're looking at numbers. Look at when it's gotten and how they're gotten and why they're gotten at some of those things, and they've been they've been pretty good. I mean, um, I think South Carolina had a good day. They got them going in some no-huddle things, but they went the other way. They, they didn't control the clock. They went up tempo. 
you know what I'm saying, and and got some and had some runs on them, but earlier in the game and did some real nice things. But most of the other yards against the games that I saw were mainly late in the game. So, I mean, they're they're a typical Alabama team. I mean, they're big and physical up front. Again, they have young linebackers, but they're athletic because Moses knows guys. They had a couple injuries, but in the secondary, they're very experienced. So, I mean, they have a lot of experience around a lot of guys. To the left, Suzanne, and then to the back, Mike. Okay, so with Kyle Field, there'll be 102,000 fans in here. It'll be rabid. Everything will be uniform. Do you think sometimes, you know, I think some of the national guys said that it's lost its intimidation factor. Do you think sometimes it's too nice of a setting, if that makes any sense, during a, a, a game I atmosphere? I imagine. I don't know who would say that and why they said that, but I think this is one of the great places to play in college football, one of the venues. I mean, I, I mean, my games that I've been in here and the games we've been in here, it's, it's been tremendous. I think it's as good as anywhere to play, the atmosphere, the electricity. And I and, and, the fans are, I think, are awesome. They're into it as much as any place I've ever been. I, and I don't mean that in any disrespect anywhere I've ever been. I just think it's a phenomenal place who people who love their atmosphere and environment. And, you know, it's our job to make things uncomfortable too. It's part of the players and coaches' job to, to keep playing well. And I know this, the games I can remember last year, I mean, the LSU game was phenomenal. Clemson was phenomenal. Kentucky was phenomenal. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, all of them were. I, I don't know any games that weren't. I mean, Auburn game was great atmosphere. If we, like I say, we need to play well. I mean, if we'd play well early, better it makes it tougher. But them, those fans didn't go anywhere. They were right there and, and and did well. We're just like I say, we're in the founding stages of building this program, and we have to do it. And we have to put the foundation down, and do it the right way, and you know, and lay the future for this thing, which I think is we're like so we haven't had. I'm disappointed we haven't had some of the results we wanted already, but. I think the foundation of what we're doing is right on track for the things we got to do, and these are lessons sometimes you got to learn. But hopefully, we can get through these and learn them and play well and take advantage of these opportunities. All right, Shane. So, <laughs> I mean, the Aggies—if they can figure out how to stop Tua, they'd be the first one to do it. And how about this comment? Uh, you know, I didn't really appreciate it from Kurt Hipster. I mean, I—I I think the world of him. I think he does an outstanding job. He—he's never one that. Uh, I think he just—he tells it like he thinks it is, and. I'm not saying that he's totally off base here, but the Aggies are eight and two at home under Jimbo Fisher, with one of those losses being an undefeated national championship team, and then the other being Auburn, the last game there. And I mean, I th- I think the world of that Auburn team. At least I did that <laughs> that Saturday. But <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, I don't think you can blame A and M and and the home fan base for what happened to the Kevin Sumlin area. I just, I don't think that guy was that great of a coach and I don't think he handled that prop, that program properly. And maybe that's diminished Kyle field home field advantage a little bit, but that place is damn electric. And I think you're going to see it again on Saturday against Alabama. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I'm kind of impartial to this one because I, you know, I like, I, I respect Herb street and, you know, when the comments came out and I was looking at it, it's like, you know, they call it nightcap for a reason. Kurt's been drinking a little bit, you know, <laughs> so maybe he's not thinking this through. But, you know, honestly, they haven't. They have not been able to get the big game at home. Uh, they do pump up the 12th man. And and I had a buddy that did go down to the Tennessee A&M game, and he talked about how electric it was, and the, and the crowd was a factor. So, uh, you know, you got got 100 – what is it? It's over 100,000 now. Yeah. So, I mean, they're right on top of you. So I, I do think noise can be a factor, and and I guarantee it's going to be jumping when Alabama's down there. So, I mean, honestly, playing this game at Alabama or playing it at Texas A&M, there is an advantage for the Aggies. Now, that being said, you got Tua coming in, and 
they're going to have to do something, man. This is uh, they they had the test with Clemson, you know, and they failed epically. But I'm sure through that film study, because there's a lot of similarities with Clemson and Alabama, you know, they're, they they real they're going to have to realize that they're going to have to get pressure onto a, uh, you know, they're going to have to make him make a mistake, and that's easier said than done, man. But they're going to have to be aggressive because, you know, Alabama's just always been able to get out of it you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah that's certainly going to be the the x factor because i don't think anyone can guard these receivers they got too many i mean you, yeah. you cannot lock them up so the only recipe and he and two gets the ball fast out out fast as well so i mean it's kind of like a double-edged sword but i think that's the only thing you got to get i've not seen two really touch this season and even even if you're not sacking them shane i think you got to be hitting them you gotta you gotta you know just rattle him a little or something get his timing off because we've seen it against yeah georgia georgia that's what that was the game plan and it worked now that's incredibly easy to say and hard to accomplish but (laughs) that's got to be the task here for mike elko and his defense absolutely and they can't let the crowd they got to do everything they can alabama's got to get the crowd out of it period they got to come out and and put a score up or, or, you know, get a couple three and outs or something like that. Just be productive. But on the flip side, A&M's just got to stay on top of them. This is going to have to be one of those games that they're just electric all day long. And they're going to make mistakes through this game, but they're going to have to quickly rebound if they want to win this thing. Because as soon as you do take that crowd out, it just feels like Alabama just runs away with it every time. Mm -hmm. Last thing on the Aggies, Shane, I just thought this was hilarious. Uh, the defensive lineman Bobby Brown, who signed with A&M over Alabama, I believe he was an Alabama commit, flipped on uh, National Signing Day or the early signing period, something like that. I can't recall the specifics. But, he, you know, he had every opportunity to go to Alabama. He picked A&M. And, uh, you know, he was asked kind of about this game. And I think they were they were trying to get him to say something like his teammates said going into that Clemson game where they guaranteed a victory over number one Clemson. And old Bobby Brown, he's a little bit smarter than those guys. <laughs> I know everybody's motivated, but do you have a little bit of extra motivation considering you chose the Aggies over Alabama in terms of showing them what they missed out on? Nah, man, it's just go play football. Y'all can't do me like hockey, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shade, so they're not getting Bobby Brown on this one. No guarantees from the Aggies this week, and I I certainly think after that performance they had against Clemson, that's the right approach. It's just take care of business this week. Let your play do the talking for you. That's right. It's like me making hot videos, Mike. I just don't do it anymore. <laughs> All right, Shay, let's jump to the other side of this one. Let's go on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Nick Saban met with the media here on Monday, and um, you know, he was a, it was a quick one. He didn't have a ton to say, but I thought uh, his comments, particularly on Kellen Mond, I think he knows he basically is the offense this year for the Aggies. They've not really been able to run much. And the fact that uh, that was kind of the same th- deal last year in this game, but it was Kellen Mond's legs that really kept the Aggies in it. Uh, so he was asked about that. And then, of course, Alabama, the two weeks to prepare, how they handle it particularly all these young defenders they've got. Saban's comments, I think, are, are particularly interesting because you'll hear this from Kirby Smart, from Jeremy Pruitt. I've, I've even heard it from Derek Dooley, and it's pretty clear they're getting it from the master here on how these players handle the bye week. 
you mentioned Kellen Mond. Just what impresses you most about him, and where have you seen him maybe improve the most since last year? Well, he played really well against us last year. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of respect for him as a player. Uh, I think that, you know, his sort of total understanding of what they're trying to do has, you know, kind of enhanced his performance uh, to some degree. I think the same receiver core pretty much that he had a year ago. I think those guys work well together and, you know, they've been able to have really good balance, you know, on their offense in terms of run pass and um, the quarterback runs, although they're sometimes limited, but actually hurt us last year in the game, uh, something that you always got to be concerned about uh, with him at quarterback. Going back to Kellen Mond with the uh, issues with containing the quarterback in the last game, how did you kind of approach that throughout practice over the bye week and um, just how, what kind of improvement did you see there? Well, um, you know, it's obviously something that we need to do better. Um, and I think, you know, it's player awareness. Um, we certainly try to um, do those things on a daily basis and try to emphasize those things on a daily basis. But it still comes down to that same word that we talked about earlier. Players have to be disciplined in doing their job. And if, you gotta, if you're a contained rusher, you got to contain the quarterback. Uh, so you can't be coming underneath. Um, you got to keep the proper leverage on the guy, give the opportunity to push the pocket in the middle. And uh, that's something that we definitely have focused on and need to improve on. Looking back at the bye week, how much improvement did you see from some of your freshman defenders, and were you able to kind of like drive drive stuff home with them? Well, I don't think you can put everybody in a category. I think um, you know some guys made improvement who had the right mindset during the the bye week. Uh, other guys, you know, we tried to push to you know get them to stay focused like they needed to. Um, so in some cases we got some improvement. In some cases maybe I think there's three things that happen in a bye week. You either make improvement because you have the right mindset, you're stagnant, you kind of stay the same, or you backslide. I mean it's one of the one of those three things, and uh, I don't think you can categorize everybody and put them in the same category that everybody improved. I think some guys that had the right mindset improved, and you know some guys probably uh, didn't get out of it what they could have. All right, Shane, I, my question to you, do you stay the same? Do you improve or do you get worse during the bye week? <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, I think it's hit or miss because you look at teams like Missouri and Odom, you remember, he, he went through a slick there on, coming off the bye week. So I think uh, I think it's easy to get complacent, and but I, I do think that these coaches, both of them, this isn't their first rodeo, man. They're going to have these boys ready, and uh, I don't think there's going to be near as much drop-off with these two teams. Oh, no, I meant you, Shane, specifically. If I, if I give you a week off the show, are you, oh. you going to come back better, worse? or? Oh, no. No, probably worse, Mike. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's why I don't give you the week off. <laughs> I mean – it'd probably be like, hey, you know what, let's just do it tomorrow. You know, I, I just, <laughs> next thing you know, it's just like like going on a diet, Mike. You know, it's like, if I don't keep doing it every day, if I don't exercise every day, then I don't do it. And, you know, right now I'm going on 18 years, Mike. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got, I'm actually in here, I've got, I'm looking around and I've got dumbbells and everything, but I've got like clothes laying on it and everything. I'm just wasted space, Mike, you know? So no, 
A bye week is not good for Cousin Shane. <laughs> All right, Shane, so I think we covered quite a bit there. And like I said, we're going to get to some of these other matchups on the next show. we got a, a really interesting battle. i got some good thoughts on Arkansas, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Missouri. I mean, we got some bar burners here, Georgia and South Carolina. Waiting for Will Muschamp on that one. Still a lot to get around to. Even Vanderbilt, UNLV, we got uh, something to talk about there because I'm sure Derek Mason is going to come out kind of fired up. He kind of has to at this point based on what his yeah. team showed on Saturday. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this one. Went a little long. Uh, you got any thoughts before we jump off here? <sighs> no, man. This is – I'm just so excited. I mean, I say that about every Saturday, but this this one is – I'm like truly excited because it just – there's a ton of good games uh, a ton of SEC matchups. This is what it's all about, guys. Sponge it up. It's October. This is when this is when the the bowl games are decided. This is when the playoffs <laughs> are decided. You got all these teams. You got LSU. You got Alabama, Georgia, Florida. They can't all stay undefeated. Somebody's got to go down eventually. So, uh, especially the LSU, Florida. Somebody's losing Saturday. So, this is going to be electric. I'm pumped up, man. Without a doubt, Shane. So I think that's going to do it. Remember, you support the podcast. You can really give us, uh, help us out here by giving us a five star hearts on uh, Apple Podcast, iTunes, whatever the hell it's called. Rate and review that that truly does help the show out. So we really appreciate each and every one of those. We got an exciting announcement coming up uh, regarding all that, but I, I'm, I'm holding it for the next show. Uh, that's going to do it for this one, Shane. Thank you for joining me. As always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you, guys. Go balls. Give me your rock and I was ready to roll On to California with the gunning joke Cause he makes Benjamin's rain from the sky Hey, babe, what's going on? Just waiting for this fucking door to close. <laughs> oh, God, I about swallowed that one the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I don't think if you're if you're unbiased, there's no way with a straight face. Damn it. <laughs> Golly, how many cars you got in that garage, Mike? <laughs>